So good. Thank you for your coordination, Sharon, and for your team. Um, yeah, would you grab that? Thanks, Alex. Um, and look, here's, here's the challenge. If, if you want to know your faith better, teach RI. Seriously, um, because kids will come out with the questions that are going to like, oh, I'm not sure what I think about that. I'm not sure how to answer that. I've got to dig deeper. All right, so if you want to grow in your faith, teaching RI is an awesome opportunity to do that. Before I went into high school chaplaincy, I taught RI for three years. So this is like back in the early 2000s at Nambour Primary. And up until probably, oh, it was probably only like three or four years ago, I was walking through Coles just here, and um, there's this young man there in the fruit and veg section, and, um, and he comes up to me very kind of sheepishly, and he says, do you know who I am? And I, and I did, because he had a name tag on. But I remembered, I said, yes, I do, James. I said, I taught you RI at Nambour Primary School, didn't I? And he said, yeah, I did. So there's sort of connections that are made that last for years and years and years and years. Never underestimate the power of God, yeah, the power of a loving you know, example of Jesus, in a, even in a secular environment, like a Queensland classroom. Yeah, because God, God is greater. And look, with the, with the time that we have left today, I just want to share a few thoughts with you guys um, just on this subject of mission, because as Andy said, yes, we are all missionaries. We serve a missional God, a God who draws men and women and children into relationship. He's doing it every day. Uh, despite what the media says, despite you know the, uh, the atheists and the, the agendas that are out there, God is on the throne and he is active and alive and he is drawing men, women and children into a loving relationship with him through his son each and every day. And, uh, and he's doing that with or without us. But isn't it awesome when he partners, he invites us in to partner with him. Like Andy and Shani learnt that they couldn't do all the missionary stuff during COVID. Wasn't COVID a gift? Hands off, step away. And now when we get invited to step back in, wow. God, you've been active still. <laughs> so good. And I'll just remind you of our friend last week, Caitlin. Caitlin? Whoopsie. You know, wasn't she fun? But she shared with us some thoughts from Philippians, but then also from Acts. She talks about, you know, when the Spirit, when Jesus says to the apostles, you know, don't go, just wait here, you know, in Jerusalem, wait until the Holy Spirit is given. And then what? Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Remember that, that she shared that with us? And some of us are, you know, we're, we're kind of take, we really major on the waiting. We've been told to wait. And sometimes there's a season in our lives where we're called just to wait, just to stop, to listen, to rest, to wait. But for the large part, you know, the Holy Spirit has already been poured out. We have received the Holy Spirit. We're in this age where the, the Holy Spirit has been given, yeah, and, and is, is freely available to all the sons and daughters in Christ, yep. And so there's no need to wait <laughs> in that sense, but to be my witnesses, Jesus says. Um, that's in Acts 1 verse 8, and you might have heard this before in a, in a clever little a little irony, it's not until Acts 8 verse 1 that the disciples actually leave uh, Jerusalem. You know, following the persecution of Stephen, the martyrdom of Stephen, then it says that a, a persecution breaks out against the church. 
and all except the apostles <laughs> were scattered. Where? Throughout Judea and Samaria. And so finally, the church, the mission of God is on the move. And this morning, that's, that, I guess that's what I'm sharing with you guys this morning. Um, for lack of a better title, this is called On the Move. Uh, and actually, in our pre-service prayer, Kelvin prayed that the Spirit of God would be on the move. You use those words, on the move. You know, God is on the move. His Spirit is always advancing. He is on the move in all of our lives, and he invites us to be on the move with him. Yeah. What does Joel always say? The kingdom of God is movemental. Yeah, it's in motion. And so we're called to be on the move. So mission, I believe, is not just something that we contribute to as a church. We do contribute to these missions. It's our goal to give 17.5% of your, of your offerings to outside missions, whether they're local, national, or international. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our, our commitment. It would be awesome if we could give even more. And uh, we, we seek not to distinguish between, you know, what is necessarily missional out there, but also how we use our funds in here, because we're actually a missional body ourselves, right? Yeah. And so we, we keep that as, a, as a, an accountable thing, but it's not just something we contribute to. Mission isn't even something that we do, but mission is something that we are on. We're on the move. And, uh, and in the book of Acts, following that expansion uh, in, in eight Chapter 8, verse 1, then there's so many different examples of then how the church is expanding in mission. But this morning, I just want to briefly draw your attention to uh, chapter 16. Uh, Acts 16, if you've got your Bibles on your phone or on the page, have a look at that. just want to draw out a couple of things very quickly here this morning. Um, from verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now, imagine that. Okay, Paul is on his, this is his second missionary journey. Paul is not new to, to following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, right? He's the Apostle Paul, okay? So you'd think that he would know where God is leading him or how God is leading, okay? He's, he's an experienced traveler in this. He's a mature, not only a, a believer, but an apostle, for goodness sake. And, and yet somehow he's thinking, okay, we're going to Bithynia, we're going to Mysia, we're going to this place. But it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. There was a blockage there. And we're not, we're not really entirely sure what that looks like, but there's something, there's an unction in his spirit that says, closed door, no go, all right? And he's, and he's obedient to that. But what I want to draw out here is that because these guys were already on the move, they were a vehicle, a vessel that the Holy Spirit could communicate clearly with. It's, it's not that their going manipulates the Holy Spirit to move, but in their going, they provide God a, a vehicle, a surrendered vehicle or vessel in which to move and which to prompt. Yeah. Now, God can speak to you at any time. God can speak to you at any time. But can I suggest that it's more likely when we're on the move, when we're already walking, when we're already heading in a direction that we're actually more um, promptable, yet to, to follow to follow his lead. Yeah. Discipleship's all about 
next steps in following Jesus? Where's he leading to next? What's he saying? Where's he got you going next? What are the next steps God is calling you to take? So after that, they go down to Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You know, in, in that willingness, that, that ability to hear the Spirit, then a vision is given, a dream is given of a man from Macedonia, come over here. You know, and the invitation from Europe up until that point, the gospel's gone around um, Judea, Samaria. It's, it's getting to the ends of the earth. This is the first inkling where, um, where the apostles are actually going to take the gospel, the good news, over to Europe. And so, and so it says here in verse 10, check this language. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. Emphasis is mine. <laughs> Do you notice the language there? It, it goes from Paul and his companions to we concluded. Who's the we? Well, Luke is writing this, this, this account of Acts, right? He's the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's putting himself in the story. We get, this is the first inkling that we get in the book of Acts, that, that Luke is actually amongst these travelers. He's not just writing it from, from over here. You know, a few years later, he's there in the action with them. And so Luke himself goes from a, a, a historian to an evangelist. He, he goes from someone who, who records the data. He goes from a physician to a missionary. We sailed. We concluded that it was, this is where God is leading us. You know, there is a, there's something that drops when, we, when, when our language goes from them speaking about those people doing the mission or those people leading the church or even those people in that church, something drops in our spirit when we go from using that language of them to us, to we. We are on mission, church. We are on the move. This um, great commission, this, this command of Jesus, be my witnesses, is not given to a few. <laughs> it is given to all. And has already been shared, we all have a field of influence, of mission, that we're called to be and bring the good news to. starts with our family, but it doesn't end there. It goes out from there. Okay, something happens when we own that, that responsibility, that sense of belonging. How are we going? Okay, still got time. Let's keep reading. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Semithras, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now, that's an interesting sentence. Um, in cities in the Roman Empire time, if there were more than, I think it's 10 Jewish men, there's likely to be a synagogue. And as was Paul's practice with, with his companions, they would firstly go to the synagogue to share the good news about Jesus. In Philippi, there's no synagogue. And so when there isn't a synagogue in a, in a um, region, in a town, the next place where people are likely to be gathering, God-fearing um, Gentiles as well as Jewish people, is going to be a place of prayer. 
And, uh, and as it happens in Philippi, it's down by the river. They expect to find a place of prayer. And here it says, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. Now, this Lydia, we don't hear too much about, um, but it does tell us that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. She was a dealer in purple cloth. I kind of picturing, now this isn't in the word of God, but this is kind of me speaking here. Paul was a tent maker, right? And Lydia is a dealer in purple cloth. I'm just picturing they're kind of breaking the ice and they're talking shop for a little bit there as well. You know, and, and then God opens up her heart to hear the good news of the kingdom. And she says, if you consider me uh, a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Okay. Um, I've missed out there that she and the members of her whole household were baptized. That's, um, that's pretty important news as well. Okay. So this, this is the first convert, the first disciple made in Philippi, in this region, in, in Europe, if you like. And uh, then this chapter of Luke, we're not going to read it all, of Acts, sorry, goes on to tell us two other converts, all right? There was a servant girl who had some sort of supernatural power that was kind of call, causing her to call out about Paul. And Paul, it says, gets annoyed with her <laughs> and casts the, the demon out of her, and she becomes a believer, the guys that are making money off her, they're not too happy about that. And so they have Paul and Silas and uh, Timothy and Luke, we're presuming as well, the, f- the four of them, arrested and thrown into prison. You guys know the story, right? They're in the Philippian jail. In the dead of night, they're singing praises. Um, and uh, there's a big earthquake and the shackles come off. The chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Saviour has rescued me. Maybe they were singing that song. I don't know. And, uh, and then the jailer is about to do himself in. He's suicidal. And Paul says, no, 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 we're all still here. We haven't gone. Don't do it. And then God gives the jailer grace to respond to the good news. And, and he, and it says, he and his whole household believe and are baptised. Why am I sharing all this besides the fact that it's in this chapter that God's led us to? Paul finds in these people, Lydia, the servant girl and the jailer, people of peace. We've talked about people of peace before, Luke 10. Jesus sends out the 72, go find the man of peace and stay there. Stay in that household. Eat the food that they give you. Follow these, these pathways, these doors that open up for you and be and bring the good news. Paul is following that same pattern. Paul and his companions, Lydia is a person of peace. She serves them. She says, hey, if you consider me a believer, come and stay in my house. She's open to the gospel. The servant girl is set free, and now she's open to the gospel. The the jailer who was suicidal has heard the good news. He's seen the evidence of God himself, and now he and his whole household are open to the gospel. Paul's simply on the way. I'm sure when they set out from Troas, they didn't think, now we've got to find a dealer in purple cloth, we've got to find a servant girl, and we've got to find a jailer. That's the key. That's the key. No. They're just, they're just going, following the Spirit's leading, looking for people of peace as they go. Can I encourage you, church, as you go, as you're on the move, look for people of peace. 
Look for those people who, you know, don't shut the door, <laughs> first of all, on any conversation. But a person of peace is someone who likes you, someone who listens to you, someone who even serves you in different ways. And there's plenty of them out there. They're all around us. If we go prayerfully expectant, God, would you lead me to the people of peace that you're drawing me to? As we go confident that God is already at work in, in people's lives, yeah, it's the Spirit of God that does the work, and we just get to step in and partner with him as we do. So these are three unexpected people and their households turning to God. I've got to tell you that in recent months, I've been blown away by the number of conversations, the number of text messages, calls, just connections that have been coming out of the community, of people who know people who God is doing something in their life. Yeah. A friend who knows a friend. And I'm not going to go into specifics or details now, but God is moving. He's drawing the hearts of men, women, and children to himself, and he's looking for a people who will partner with him to be people of peace also to, to these ones. Let me share you some good news really quickly. I'm going to share you. This is from a study that was done during COVID. It came out, um, these stats came out at the end of last year. And it's called The Change in Spiritual Climate of Australia. And, uh, and I'll just, I, can, I can send you the whole study if you want access to that. Let me know. But let me just share with you some numbers here very quickly. In Australia today, there are 47% of Australians are thinking more, much more, or even just slightly more about the meaning of life than before COVID, 47%. There are 47% who are open, more open or much more open to spiritual conversations than before COVID. There are 33% of those people, more, much more or slightly more, thinking more about God, just in general. And 28% are praying more. See, despite... You know, the, the stuff that we hear on the media, despite the, you know, the outcome from the latest census that brings, you know, Christianity or down a peg and people who are attribute to no religion up a peg, this is not a time to freak out. This is actually a time where God is, is the, the parameters are changing so that now we can no longer rely on cultural Christianity to get our numbers through. You understand what I mean? People who, who say, yeah, I'm a Christian because I was, you know, I was, Oh, no, as, um, christened as an Anglican as a, as a baby. Those, those people, without an active living faith, those people are now saying, actually, I don't believe. Those who do believe, those who are standing up for Jesus are the ones who are ticking, yes, I'm a Christian. Yeah. But even for those who are now saying, I don't believe, there's generations that are coming through now who maybe haven't had R.I., maybe they haven't had Sunday school, maybe they haven't heard the stories of the gospel, but God is still stirring something in them to respond. As the, the, the world, you know, globally, financially, environmentally, as everything is kind of going to pot in the world today, <laughs> as everything that is shaking, that can be shaken, is shaken, people are going, what, what is left? What can I anchor my hope to? Because the, the previous things just aren't cutting it anymore. And so God is drawing the hearts of people to him. Listen to this. Two out of three people are likely to attend a church service either online or in person if personally invited by a friend or family member. One in three people 
are extremely likely or very likely, one in three people, to attend a church service either in person or online, if personally invited by a friend. And if, and if you're in a younger generation, so um, the generation uh, Z and Y, it's, it's around half, one in two people are likely to attend, to respond to an invitation to something. Yeah. 76% of Australians agree that the churches in their area are making a positive difference to their community. Yeah. And so this morning, folks, I just want to build your confidence that God is doing something, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion. And that's from Philippians, which is the church that this place was started Okay, the church that began to meet in Lydia's household. Later on, Paul would write a letter to the Philippians. And again, Caitlin shared a, a, a verse with us from Philippians last week. What did she say? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's God who is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And as he works in us on this Mission Sunday, every day, it should be Mission Sunday, I believe. Because what Jesus has done in us, what Jesus is doing us, in us, never stops with us. Yeah? As a natural byproduct, it overflows to those around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving and sending God. We thank you, Lord God, that you work with us even in the, the mix, even as we are still putting, seeing our lives being put back together. We thank you, Lord, you don't wait for us to be a perfect example before you use us, just an authentic one. And so, Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to move in us, Lord God, just to shape us. Remind us, Father God, of the next steps that you're calling us to take in our following of you, and as we influence and call others to follow you too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.